Hey guys, welcome to a brand new season and a brand new episode of Beyond the Bookshelf. I know, I know it's been a couple of months since I've last recorded and had another author, but I am back and I'm so excited to be back here with you guys. I am so excited to have another author and I'm so excited to get into the backstory behind her book. As some of you may or may not know, the show has gone exclusive. So what that means is that when authors have an opportunity to work with me in the areas of publishing, marketing, or graphics, they have an opportunity to come on the show. So if you're an author and you think this is a good fit for you, uh, you can respond to me in a direct message or you can comment on this post. So today I'm so excited that I have an author that I had an opportunity to work with. Her name is LaVon and uh, anybody who's been watching this show for any number of times or years, because it's been on for a little while, um, you may realize that I always lead in with a story about how I met the author or know the author. So LaVon is no uh, different. So I actually met LaVon through my friend Kama and I met Kama through a business coaching program. So I had been working with Kama in the areas of graphic design and marketing as well. And she told me about her friend, LaVon, and she talked to me about LaVon having a book and I was invited to the book release party and I popped in really quickly and I had an opportunity to see um, who LaVon was, get an experience of her, and then I had to pop out to go do something else. But LaVon actually, uh, needed some of my services for marketing and graphics. So I worked with LaVon in that, in that area and then I had an opportunity to, re to read her book of poetry and it's really, really good. And I hope you guys know that when I say something is really, really good, I don't just say it because it sounds nice, I say it because I actually mean it. And her poetry is really good. And I started working with LaVon and when I work with authors, including LaVon, I always have weekly meetings with them and we meet via Zoom. So I get to see them and they get to see me. And every meeting that I have, uh, I start off with learning a little bit more about the author just so I can understand their backstory as a person and as an author. And when I met with LaVon the very first time, she started talking to me a little bit about her backstory and I took a lot of notes. And then I just sat there with some of the information she gave me because it was so good. Some of it was information that kind of took me back, took me aback because I didn't ex have those same experiences, but it was so good. And it helped me really understand why she wrote her book at this particular time in her life. So without further ado, I know that's a long intro, but I wanted to get it all out before I officially introduce you to LaVon. So LaVon, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Tamisha. You're I'm welcome. so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. So let's jump right in, okay? So can you tell the audience what the name of your book is? My book is entitled Voices from a Space of Unlocation, and this is the copy, so you can know what the cover looks like. Yeah. And it's actually a poetry anthology. Okay. So can you talk to us a little bit about the title? Now, one thing I will say this as a quick, quick, quick aside. So when I work with authors in the areas of publishing, a lot of times they'll come to me in the manuscript phase 
And when they come in that manuscript phase, a lot of them don't already have titles for their books. So that's something we actually work through. But when I have authors on my show who have already gone through the publishing process, I always pay attention to the title because I try to figure out why they titled the book what they did. And if there is a deeper meaning or an explanation behind the title. So LaVon, can you, can you talk to us a little bit about why your title is what it is? So this title was actually selected even before um, the book was completed in entirety. The, the title actually stemmed from a course that I took back in college, an African studies course. And throughout the discussion, my professor kept referring to some of the women we were studying as women who were having, who had voices from a space of unlocation, meaning that their identity was ripped from them. They had to constantly keep, you know, defining who they were, redefining who they were, trying to find themselves. And the minute I heard, you know, the way she described these women, you know, throughout our lecture, I'm like, this is what I'm going to title my first book. And when I think of voices from a space of unlocation, I think of it as sort of a process that's transformational. I wanted my to have a title that really captured the transformational process. And, you know, as a woman of the diaspora, you know, having to move to the U.S., you know, trying to maintain it and really hold on to my St. Lucian roots and trying to, you know, just define who I was mm -hmm. and, and trying to find my purpose in the United States. That was one of the reasons why I also decided to title the book Voices from a Space of Unlocation. Okay, because even when I read the title and I've gone back and I've reread the title more than once and I always focused on the unlocation part because that was always the word that I had never seen used in that particular way. And when I thought about that, I was like, well, I wonder what unlocation means. Like I have an idea of what that means, but I didn't understand it in the context you just provided and it makes complete and perfect sense. So. Let, can we get into your culture and actually where you're from? Because I think that has a lot to do with why you wrote the, your book the way that you wrote it. And I think that your book has a lot of culture in it that people can't identify with. But I want to touch on it really quickly so people are fully aware of um, where you came from. So just to give you a little background, I am from the beautiful island of St. Lucia. 238 square miles so you can literally go on the entire island in one day our culture is very rich mm -hmm. we have we were influenced by both the french the french colonized us the british colonized us there was actually battle that took place you know over our island but we also have our deep african roots that's part of our our culture as well so i sort of think of us as a bouillon Bouillon mm -hmm. is actually a, a dish that we prepare back home. And bouillon, what it is, you just throw in everything. You throw in your dumplings and you throw in your green bananas and you throw in, you know, your lentils. And you have this this sort of, it's almost like a soup with all mm -hmm. these different combinations. So our culture to me is, is very analogous to that bouillon. So I, when I migrated to the United States, I moved here when I was about I think the week that I turned 15 mm -hmm. to join my mom in the United States, she had migrated a couple years before. I wanted to make sure that I held on to my roots. So I wanted to make sure that, you know, we speak a Creole quote unquote dialect. 
I wanted to make sure that I held on to my St. Lucian dialect. So if you look at some of the some of the poetry in my book, I try to infuse, you know, some of my dialect in there. Um, but that's pretty much in a nutshell, I could go on and on describing my culture. But in a nutshell, that's that's my background. Yeah, and I I'm, I wanted you to specifically say you were from St. Lucia, and I knew you were going to get to that part because that's something that I know about you and comma. Um, but I think that you know, interacting with you and interacting with comma, you know, I can tell the 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 culture is definitely rich and and a little similar to ours but also very different and I think that it kind of it resonates with who you are as a person as well as your writing style so what I want to ask you is when you when did you decide to actually start writing this book so here's the the short version of the story I actually started writing when I was pretty young um, as a student at St. Joseph's Convent. Kama and I actually went to the same secondary school mm -hmm. back home. We're both convent girls. And I remember when I wrote my first poetry piece, I think I must have been about 12 years old, and my teacher was so impressed. And that sort of just ignited a fire in me to keep on writing mm -hmm. because I needed to get an assignment done, and I wrote this piece, and she, you know, she loved it. And I just kept on writing. So when I you know, moved to the United States, you know, throughout these years, I just kept on writing. When I moved to the United States, my writing, you know, actually continued. And mm -hmm. even at the college level, I ended up majoring in English. Um, so most of my courses were poetry workshops or creative writing workshops. So essentially, that's where all of that stemmed from. Okay, so I want to touch on something that I know, but they don't. So I want to talk a little bit about your experience in college, I believe, because I yeah. think that a lot of things, I don't want to say happened, but maybe it is happened while you were in college and a lot of things kind of bubbled up for you and definitely correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm remembering incorrectly. I think a lot of things bubbled up for you while you, I am so sorry. I think there was a lot of things bubbling up for you while you were in college so can you talk to us a little bit about that where did you you don't have to tell us where you went to school but what um state city or state were you in when you went to school um, actually in geneva new york okay small, um, smack between syracuse and rochester just to give you some context very small town um very interesting experience i was one of the few students of color um, on campus there were not that many of us and i remember um, at the very beginning, even freshman year, being I started out my deciding to major in science. Um, graduated at the top of my high school, I knew that I wanted to be a physician from the tender, tender age of six years, six mm -hmm. years old. And I remember being, you know, really excited. This is it, you know. I'm bought my books. I'm excited, you know. Freshman year, you know, you know, figuring out what I'm going to do with my life and so on and so forth. And just getting the best way that I can describe it, a slap in the face mm -hmm. by probably my third week on campus. I remember receiving a slip from the pre-med advisor. It's five o'clock. Sorry, it's my computer. A green slip from my pre-med advisor. And I went to, you know, stating that I had an appointment with her to discuss my courses. And when I walked in, the first comment that was made to me, even before finding out who I was or, you know, knowing my academic background or, anything like that she said to me you know being a doctor is not the only career in the medical field 
why don't you look into nursing or public health instead? And it took me a while to process that, but I walked out of her office and the only thing that I did was cry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Still remember the room <laughs> to this day, still remember the building. Um, but I stood outside that office and I, I cried and cried and cried. And because it just felt like a dream was just taken away mm -hmm. from me. And there was nothing that I could have done about it. So I still decided to continue in the sciences, but I realized that systemically there were structures in place, you know, and, and now, you know, that I reflect on it, I'm beginning to understand that systemically there were structures in place that, you know, that sort of deterred me from continuing in that field. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what I ended up doing with advice from, you know, some of my closest mentors on campus, I switched my major to English and I became an English major. You know, I figured God had other plans for me. Mm -hmm. But being at a, a small school where you are, I would say in 98% of my classes, I was the only person of color, mm -hmm. especially in, you know, in my, in my English classes, in my science classes, when I, I first began my, my, my college career, it created a very, mm, I'm trying to find the best way to, the best way to put it very, very often. It was a very uncomfortable situation to be in. That's the best way that I can describe it. Um, I constantly felt as if I had to defend my race. Mm -hmm. um, I constantly felt as if, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of pressure on me. And at those, those times when I was not feeling, you know, feeling that pressure, it was sort of like I needed to be invisible because I didn't belong there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were, uh, there were was circumstances where, you know, there were either actions or there were things said verbally to you that indicated that, you know what, we're, there's a favor being done that, that this is the reason why you're in this space. So like the Jamaicans would say, I would sometimes be in situations where I have to small up myself because, you know, I don't want to stand out as, as, as the only black girl in the room. But soon I realized how dangerous that was. Mm -hmm. I realized that the danger came in the, the psychological impact that it was having on, on me because soon I, I wrestled with an identity crisis. I knew who I was as a St. Lucian planted in the United States. But then I didn't know how to navigate the system that existed where I was, you know, just thrown into something that I was not used to, mm -hmm. you know, specifically, yes, we do have racism back home. Yes, we do have classism. All the isms exist back home, but I really never had to face it in St. Lucia. Mm -hmm. So not only was it a culture shock for me, but dealing with it, you know, on a personal level, just intensified it even more. So the way that I, I initially approached it, you know, I, I, I tried to, you know, sort of be the invisible black girl, but it wasn't long until I realized, like I said, that this was actually psychologically dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. So that's mm -hmm. when I became a lot more outspoken on campus. That's when I became a leader on campus. That's when, you know, I believe that's when I realized that equity would be at the core of everything that I did that diversity and inclusion would be at the core of everything that I did. And that's when, you know, sort of like a whole new world opened up for me. And I realized that, no, Levon, you're not just here to take up space. Mm -hmm. You are here to walk into that space, own that space, and change that space. And I knew that any space that I entered, and to this day, I, I programmed myself to think that way. I don't ever leave a space how I inherited it. Mm -hmm.
I'm sitting here not saying anything, not because I don't have anything to say, but just because hearing you and knowing what I already knew, but hearing you retell the story makes me feel exactly how I felt when you first told it to me. And I was sad for you. You know, like I went to a predominantly white school and, but my school was huge. And I, you know, there weren't that many black people um, anyway, but there weren't that many black people in the classes that I was in. So a lot of times I may have been one out of two or one out of three or, you know, black people in that particular class. And it was, you know, it was really big. Um, but I never had anyone tell me what I could not do, or I never had anybody tell me you should go and try to, to do something else because this may not be the thing for you. So I can only imagine what that felt like, especially when you know that you're really good at something, you're passionate about it, it's what you came here to do, only for you to get here and somebody to really tell you it's not that's not gonna be possible for you. So it's kind of like, who are they to put limits on you without, they don't know anything about you. So. I'm sitting here just taking all that back in and then also taking it in at the age that you were, you know, because you're a different version, you're a similar version of yourself, but you're an older version of yourself. You know, and when I say older, I don't mean like you're just old lady. It's just, you know, when you're in college, it's a little bit different than when you are a full-fledged adult with your own life, your own family, your own children, your own everything. And in that moment, you know, you could have really let that person shape you and you could have really let her define who you were gonna be and you chose not to do that. So what I want to ask you is, while all this was happening, or while all this was happening, were you writing at this time or were you, did you like keep a journal or anything? Absolutely, many of my pieces actually came from um, those experiences. Um, I think of my writing as my therapy, mm -hmm. not that I, I wouldn't, I don't believe in, you know, in, in therapy, um, but I do think of my writing as my therapy. And there are some experiences that you cannot necessarily describe to others. And those moments when I felt broken, those moments when I, I sort of felt defeated, that's when I turned to my writing and just allowed myself, you know, to go through whatever emotions that I, I needed to go through at the time. Okay. And I, this question just came to me as, as I was hearing your response. Can you tell me why you chose to write, write a poetry anthology instead of just a memoir or a novel? Like why, you know, because you, because you could have written a, a complete story about everything that you just said, but you, you put it in the form, you put it in the form of poetry. So what, did you ever consider that or was it just something you just naturally did? The reason why I decided to do a poetry anthology, because I wanted to capture not just my voice, um, but the collective voices of my people. Okay. Uh, so there's a piece, you know, the most recent piece I wrote was about, you know, Breonna Taylor um, in there. Um, there are multiple pieces that talk about, you know, the oppression of black men. So I really wanted to capture not just, you know, my place in my cycle of personal oppression, but, you know, everyone else, all. The, the collective experiences of people of color. So that was the reason why I just felt as if, you know, I could have wrote a memoir mm -hmm. about my experience, but I wouldn't 
it wouldn't capture the experiences of my people as much as I as I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, do you think that there will even that that you'll do like a part two of this or like another anthology? I definitely will. I'm thinking of working on another anthology. Um, I'm also I believe but before that, I think my next piece is probably going to um, be a piece just geared towards black women um, in honor of my mom who mm -hmm. You know, my mom migrated to the United States and I I saw, you know, my mom had me when she was very young. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen the struggles that she has gone through and she has inspired me so much moving to the United States, leaving her children home, trying to find a life for herself. That was a huge sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but putting herself through college, you know, throughout it all, um, getting her MBA, she did that, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So I just feel like black women, sometimes our voices are uh, sometimes not heard. Sometimes we are not given the space to, you know, to sort of be us. And I would like to write a piece, you know, just dedicated to just black women. So that's my next piece that I'm working on. I think that's phenomenal. And I cannot wait until you embark upon that journey because there's so many different things that you can do with that. And I mean, I, like I'm, I'm a very visual person, so I can definitely see it in the written form, but then I can also see it in its collective form too, you know, like through art or through music or through, you know, what whatever else that comes with that. And I think that's really amazing that you're on this, I don't want to call it a path or a journey. This is who you are and you're, and you're, and you're owning your experience, you're owning the things that have shaped you into the woman that you are, and you are writing about it so other people can hear it and then, or, or read it, and then other people will also identify you know, with it as well. Because I know when I read, and I read a lot, but when I read, um, usually I can identify myself or people in my family or other parts of my life in books and it resonates with me in a way that I probably didn't expect, only just because I'm like, oh, I know exactly what she's talking about, or oh, I know exactly what he's talking about because I went through the same thing too. And sometimes, given these particular situations and experiences, everybody doesn't want to talk about it. And some people think that they can't talk about it, or they, you know, people, or that people won't listen or hear them or really respect the experiences that they've gone through and the way that it made them feel and how they took those moments and how they took those things and used it, you know, in a way that brought glory to a situation that wasn't meant to be glorious. And I think, I think what you're doing is incredible and I think it's amazing. I'm so, so proud of you and so, so happy, you know, for you and so happy that I get to share you on this platform because um, I think you're my first guest that has actually talked about these things, not because I haven't read about them, but just because it just kind of worked out that way. So before we officially wrap, I did want to ask you a couple of questions, a couple more things. One, um, since this is a poetry anthology, is there a particular poem or, or poems that you love the most out of the book? Um, that's a tough question. There's a piece that I dedicated to my grandmother. Um, that's one of my favorites. 
um, when I do read it, it just, it reminds me of her. She passed away a couple of years ago. Um, so that's definitely one of my, one of my favorite pieces. Okay. And I knew you were going to say that. I just wanted other people to hear it. <laughs> um, so how can people uh, support you? Where can they find you? And how can they get your book? So my book is can be found on Amazon. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. It's Voices from a Space with the underscore in between. And my Facebook page is actually the title of the book, Voices from a Space of a Location. Okay, well, I it's been a pleasure, LaVon, and I, I'm not saying that just because I have you on the show. It really has been a pleasure, and I am so grateful that um, I met you through Kama, and I'm so grateful that I got to experience you uh, for myself by having the opportunity to work with you in hearing some of these stories before I actually had you on the show. And I look forward to everything that you have going on and all the stuff that's coming and I know it's going to be really great and phenomenal because you're the one doing it and I and I want you to know that I am rooting for you and I'm proud of you and I'm so 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 happy that thank I get to have you in my space and I appreciate that thank you so much for allowing me to share with you and if, if I may I just want to leave just one message you know when I I think of my experiences people oftentimes ask me would you have changed anything and mm -hmm. I say no I have changed anything because those moments have been the defining moments of my life. They have helped mold me into the woman that I have become. They've helped mold me into the educator that I have become, the leader I am soon to become. Um, so no, I, I wouldn't change them. And at least I have a testimony to share with, you know, with the younger generation who might be going through, you know, similar issues that, yeah. you know, hope. Yeah. So. Yeah. And as, and, and, and as you just said that, I, I thought to myself, I hope that as you're on this journey, you also um, speak to other groups, other people, other, uh, other, I hope that you, that you have an opportunity to tell this story. And I hope that you have an opportunity to really share your experiences with as many people as possible because it's something that people need to hear, although some parts could be hard, but that doesn't mean that they're not necessary. And I hope that as you're on this journey, you know, with the book and the next books and all the things to come, that you get an opportunity to continue to share this story because I think it's going to help so many people. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You so You're welcome. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share this space with you. This You're welcome. Awesome. You're welcome. Well, guys, that is it. I can't, I, you know, every time I'm about to wrap, I always think of how, how, how quickly the time ha has gone by because it never feels like it's been almost 30 minutes. Like it feels like I just sat down, just sort of having this conversation, conversations getting good and great. And then we have to officially wrap, but it's been a pleasure. I'm so excited to be back. I will be back with another author. I'm not sure who's going to come up next. But I will be back with another author and another backstory. And it's somebody that I've already worked with. So I'm going to be very privy to the story in their book. But I will be back soon. And thank you guys so much for watching. And thank you guys so much for joining me on this journey. I'll talk to you later. Bye.